Hey guys, it's Allison. I am so glad you're here with me. I want to tell you that this podcast, From Weeds to Wildflowers, it's all about resilience. So then it's pretty much about life. And if you've ever experienced life, then this podcast could possibly be for you. I want to put a disclaimer out there first. I am not a therapist. I'm not here to give you advice or to tell you what to do. What I am, though, is human. Yep, same as you. A human being that has an immense desire to want to help people discover ways to heal. There is so much suffering in this world, some of which stems from outside influences, but most of our suffering comes from within, from our own devices. And that is what worries me the most. I too have suffered, and yes, some of which came by means of my own hands. I would love for you to join me and walk alongside me as we navigate this wonderful, beautiful, sometimes frightening thing we call life. Let's find out what we're made of, and perhaps we can find ways we can do it better. Help me to unearth skills to dig deep in search of proverbial water that heals. Let's learn how to bloom wherever we find ourselves, not just where we're planted, and uncover the source of our own innate personal happiness. Come on now. Let's do this together. I'd like to welcome you all to the podcast today, and I'm so excited. I have Beth Quas here. I said it right, right, Beth? You did. <laughs> Beth Quas here, and we were just talking for a moment. I know Beth from being on her podcast. She does a nursing podcast that is called Don't Eat Your Young. And I was on her podcast and just was ever so impressed with her. And she is an amazing individual, what she's doing and what she's got plans for and everything. And I just can't, I can't wait to hear it all. But I am going to let her introduce herself so she does herself justice. Um, and so without further ado's or anything from me, this is Beth. Thanks so Thank much you, for being Allison. here. Oh, Thank so you. Great. And I have to say, when you were on my podcast, I think I was more impressed by you and your vulnerability and your raw nature on my podcast. Oh. And it was incredible. Thank you. So I appreciate that. I'm so thankful to be on your show now. Um, I've been a nurse for almost 30 years. And I've been a CRNA the last 23 of those years, and now I am educating CRNAs on getting out there and getting in the workforce. So I've spent my share of my life in healthcare and just wearing different hats. So will you, since not all of my um, listeners are from healthcare or work in the healthcare community. Explain what a CRNA is as opposed to an RN. Sure. So a CRNA, a uh, certified registered nurse anesthetist, has a bachelor's degree in nursing. Then they go on and do a few years in the ICU. And then you go back uh, into graduate education and become certified in anesthesia. Uh, just now, we've turned all of our anesthesia programs into doctorate level education. We used to be master's level. Now we're doctorate level. And so uh, we recognize that we need more, well, we need more nurses. We need more nurse anesthetists. We need more midwives. We need all of healthcare more. So yeah. I'm happy now to give back in education. I love that. So are you loving the teaching aspect of it? Do you 
Now you're still you're still working as a CRNA, right? I am. I work one day a week in the OR uh, just to keep up my clinical skills. Uh, and I would say education is much harder than I ever imagined it was. I've taught students in the clinical world for twenty some years, and that was amazing. But now going back and teaching them the information that they need not only to be good practitioners but to pass our boards Mm. um it's incredible and i know that when i went to school 20 some years ago it was hard then and i think it's definitely harder now there's just so much information out there to try to learn so much i can't i can't even imagine i mean yeah i went through nursing school and i i only finished my rn when i went back in and i was going through the bsn so my background is I'm a diabetic and with all the things that were going on, I was going through a divorce, some other family dynamics. I just started a new job as an RN and then I went into the bachelor's program. It was just too much for my system to handle and I started having seizures. And so the only thing I could quit doing was the school aspect. I still had to maintain a job and support myself. So, right. and I never went back. Um, and got my BSN. So um, kudos, hats off to you for all of the education that you have received, all of that you've um, done to get to where you are. Just seriously. Thank you. And I would say I started out as an ADN nurse, which is a two-year um, diploma nurse. Uh, associate like an I was an LPN, and then I went one more year and got my RN and then worked and got my BSN. So I would tell you that I think two-year RNs are amazing because they focus on the clinical aspect. Right. We know in practice a bachelor's degree doesn't make you a better nurse. No, no. It gives you a credential. You pay more money to get that, but it doesn't make you a better nurse. No, it doesn't. And that, and that I do know. And it was, um, at least in my thinking and might be in yours, it was more to moving into administrative level sort of things because there was nothing in the bachelor program that actually gave you any more clinical experience. Right. It was all about writing papers and administrative papers, a little bit of public health. Otherwise you're right. Um, and I don't want to take anything away from bachelor's prepared nurses because they work hard too and they're great clinicians and they do have a little more information given to them on on how management runs yes and I mean nurses at any level (laughs) I just my heart pours out for them honestly I don't care I don't care who you are what you are I mean even you know CNAs um I could not have done what I did as a nurse without my CNAs. They were the heart and soul of, of the nursing community, right? It let us do more of what we needed to do when we didn't have to do that portion. And, oh, I loved my CNAs. I learned as much as a new nurse from the CNAs as I did from the nurses training me about how to actually care for humans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we all have to go through a CNA course, but not, I didn't work as a CNA and I remember, um, I would do everything I could to help my CNAs, but there were times where I'm like, okay, teach me how to do this better because I don't do this on a daily basis. Please teach me your, you know, the tricks of your trade. And so we all, we all had, you know, wanted to hopefully help one another out. But, um, but yeah, so a CRNA, so you do, um, anesthesia. 
Yep, yep. Um, from the pre-op area through the OR and into the recovery room, um, we're there the entire case. And we run in different models. We have um, models where we work side by side with anesthesiologists, but in three quarters of the nation and the military, we are independent practitioners. So we are the sole anesthesia provider in a lot of areas, wow. which I think is, is something that a lot of people don't know. I didn't even know that. I mean, I worked with CRNAs a lot um, in the cath lab. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, honestly, that's all we ever had in the cath lab was CRNAs, you know. But, but yeah, I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, we do not have to work with an anesthesiologist. We can work independently. So in the smaller hospitals, rural areas, the military, we're our own practitioners. And it's a hard road to get to become a CRNA. So... Um, yeah, people should feel very safe and being taken care of by That's us. That's amazing. I did not know that, and thank you. I would, <laughs> that is, like, hugely helpful. I hope that it helps somebody who listened to this podcast, because I think sometimes they think, oh, well, they're just under an anesthesiologist, but you know. No. No. Awesome. awesome. No, I don't know if anybody, any of you can hear Beth's um, accent. Um, <laughs> she has a slight accent. Will you just tell us where you stem from, where you are right now? I've been in Minnesota my entire life. I grew up in northern Minnesota. I came down to Duluth, Minnesota and worked for many years as a CRNA. And now I'm down in the metropolitan Twin Cities where I do the education. Okay. All right. And she's also the host of a podcast, like I said. Can you explain a little bit how, how did this podcast start? And yeah, give me some give our listeners some information. COVID hit. I had been in a, a director of our anesthesia department before COVID hit. Okay. And I was burnt out from that. It's really hard and we've talked as well about how hard it is to be in that management position. And so I stepped back into clinical practice just before COVID came, COVID hit, and I thought, I this isn't the healthcare I want to be a part of anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I know there are other people, other nurses, other healthcare providers that think the same way I do, and I just want to let them tell their stories. And so Don't Eat Your Young seemed to fit with what I wanted to do. I want nurses to know, students to know, we have to help each other in order to get through this. We're all burnt out. We're all tired. Let's just hear from each other so that we can unite and have support. And that has grown. I've finished three seasons now. I'm planning for my fourth season. And I have met some of the most incredible nurses I, I'm blessed to have met who I've met. Thank you. I mean, seriously, thank you because that sheds some light on the nursing community in general. But I think we need to realize more that we're all on the same team. And yes. any way that we can do that, I love that. I love bringing people together and especially people of common goals. And that is nursing, right? We all are there for a reason. And most of us are there because we want to help people. It's like this innate sense. Do you not feel that as well? Absolutely. And I will say that many of the guests that I've had on, like you, are out there to help people, help people get back to health, help them to get through burnout, help them to realize that if you're not happy, you can change what you're doing to get back to happy. Absolutely. 
And you figured it out. You figured it out, right? How to move. I don't know that I figured it all out, but I'm on my way. I'm, I'm, I am definitely on that journey. And I, I've honestly never been happier. Yeah. So you have, and I know that in people listening to my podcast and them listening to yours, they're going to realize how dynamic you are and that your soul is real. You truly want to help people. I do. That is seriously like, yeah, I sit and I just say, please show me the way that I can help people the best. You can't fake that. You can't fake that. It's palpable when, when I talk to you and we haven't even been in the same room together and I can feel that you really genuinely want that for other people. I do. I do. And I feel that same thing that comes off of you. And maybe that's why I felt such a connection to you mm-hmm. is we are sisters at heart, right? Absolutely. And that's amazing. In talking with you on my podcast, my podcast is about resilience. Everybody has a story. Everybody's life is a story of resilience, right? It doesn't have to be something groundbreaking news or anything like that. But in looking at your own life, tell me this. I would love to know, what is a common thread in your life with resilience? I would say talking to other people really helps me get out of my own head. And I think that's why talking to other nurses and share their stories, I can share mine. We all want the same goal, I think. And I, and, and I speak for the people that I've talked to, especially in nursing, because I think that's where I need to focus. My resiliency is in my healthcare world and my work world. So I would say talking to other people is what really helps me move out of my space and into a better space. Helping them realize how important they are is what helps me. You're a luminary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. You really are. I mean, just shining the light back at them I think sometimes life feels so heavy. Life feels so dark in our own little pocket, in our own little box that we put ourselves in, that sometimes we just need somebody else to see us. Yeah. And you doing what you're doing in the healthcare community is doing just that. It's shining that light back at them and them realizing, (laughs) Oh, damn, I am pretty awesome, <laughs> you know? Because they yes. are. They are so awesome. It they t- are. People have no idea what it takes to be a nurse until you're a nurse. 100% agree. <laughs> and it, I'm hoping, I have friends that listen to my podcast that are not in healthcare, and the things they've come back and said to me, they didn't realize, they didn't understand all of these things, and that's what I want people to know. I, I, my podcast is geared towards nurses telling their stories, but I want everybody to hear it. I want them to hear how hard nurses work, how much they give of themselves mm-hmm. to their patients that I don't know if people realize. They have, really, I don't know if they can know. I really right. don't think that they can know. But it takes a special person, I feel, to be a nurse. 
um, yes. that embodies what a nurse is, right? Are you able to tell me without, you know, giving particulars of anybody's story, some of the things that you've heard that have just been like, you know, almost mic drops for you where you're like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, one in particular, I had a guest on and during the midst of COVID, this individual was working travel nursing and went to a nursing home. And what happened in that nursing home was unbelievable, unforgivable. And he told a story and it was so sad to hear what happened to residents in that nursing home and their families. And he got through it, but I don't think it was easy. And he, he's never recovered from that, but he learned to move on from that. And we all know the horror stories that we hear on the news about what happened. This individual told his story about his experience and it, it was a mic drop moment for me and not a good mic drop. But the fact that he kept coming back and taking care of people was amazing to me because that's what we do. It is. I know I really think um, in most anything that I've done or seen, I think the epitome of resilience is, is nursing. But here is the catch. And here is my concern with that community is they do epitomize resiliency, but I'm afraid that often we epitomize it in survival instead of, so we're surviving instead of thriving. Yes. That's where I think we need to find a change because I believe, I truly believe, like in my heart of hearts, that you can be a nurse and thrive as an individual. Not just in your nursing, but as an individual in your home life, in your whatever is outside of that work life. Because unfortunately, and Beth, you can, you can tell me I'm wrong and that's totally okay. But I feel like nurses, that the job becomes them. They become the nurse in all aspects of their life. And they aren't able to separate it. Absolutely. It's happened to me. It's happened to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think you're right. We do need to separate from that. And I think that is leading to burnout and leading to the exhaustion of being at the bedside with pain. And not just at the bedside. All nurses are going through some sort of burnout or whatever you want to call it, moral injury. You're right. There has to be a separation. And I think part of that is because even on your days off, you're thinking about work. Somebody's calling you to come into work. They're begging you to just come and help with a little bit. And we need to be able to say no. It's I think about part boundaries. of the tra- absolutely, it's about boundaries. And I think part of the tragedy with COVID was nurses knew best most of the time, and they weren't listened to. And we had people that probably hadn't stepped into a hospital in forever or ever making decisions that were not right the same in that nursing home who decided that's how it had to be not a nurse nurse. and that's I think the devastating part for a lot of people and really we all know as nurses COVID wasn't the first time we've heard of a lot of this stuff it was the first time that the light had been shown bright enough 
to bring those problems out to the public. Agreed. Agreed. It was like a freaking spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy cow. And we haven't changed anything yet. Uh, yeah, but we nothing's changed. About it. We were heroes, and then in Minnesota, where I'm from, uh, it's a union state for most nurses, for many hospitals, and they just had a historic strike last fall. And it seemed people turned on them, and now all those nurses want is money. No, one money was one very small thing. What they wanted was safe environments, staffing ratios that made sense to have this number of patients per nurse. That's what it was about. Money was one small part of it, but it's just amazing how the story can change very quickly depending on who you listen to. Absolutely. If you can, like with the stories you've heard, with the life you've lived, and you've lived um, a, most of your life probably, I would say, as a nurse or in the nursing community, what is, what is a small change that could be made on a daily basis that would increase not our survival, but increase our ability to thrive? In the healthcare environment, I would say nurses have to be at every table that a decision is made regarding their lives as nurses. Oh, here, here. Yeah, and outside of that, I would say nurses in school, students need to be taught just like you said, boundaries. It's okay to say no. It's okay to take care of yourself first. Agreed. Oh my gosh. And boundaries. I mean, but see, the boundary thing follows you throughout your life. Yes. You, you let it, and it might not have even started with nursing, mm -hmm. but it definitely follows its way into nursing. You got to be strong in your own boundaries, but it wasn't just one boundary that was blurred. It was you were almost forced at times to either blur or break those boundaries time and time again. Things yes. were being asked of nurses and somebody had to step up to the plate as I know my own personality. And I know that there are a lot of RNs that were the same as me. And that's why that same type of personality becomes nurses, right? Yes. But those boundaries it, it just came, became that there were no boundaries. Part, I mean, a big part of it was our fault. But we felt so much, what's the word I'm looking for, Beth? We felt so much responsibility mm -hmm. that there were times we couldn't say no. It became a thing to me that I wanted to support my nurses because I saw what was happening. But I couldn't do that in healthcare. Right, we I forgot wasn't. about ourselves. We forgot who's yeah. the most important because we tried to take care of everybody else. Like you said, your colleagues, your nursing colleagues, your patients, the hospital who we thought we needed to help. I learned that as a director. When I went back to clinical practice, I knew I couldn't do that work there anymore because I knew too much. Yeah. Nobody, you get resiliency training at the hospital, but we know what that means. That's right. the biggest joke there is. Nobody cares. Nobody that's offering that truly cares, I believe. That's what I it feels take like. That back. I, it, that's what it feels like. I shouldn't say that. I know there are people that care, but the way it's rolled out to nurses, it isn't what they need. Exactly. So let's ask the nurses what they need. Absolutely. But who's doing that? Who needs who's to do doing that? it? Right. Who needs to do that? It needs to come from above, but there needs to be a series of support systems. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Instead of broken, I feel like there was a, and this is just my own feelings. I feel like there was a lot of broken systems. 
that if one person was trying to do what was right for the nursing community, because nurses make up the majority of the hospital, I don't care who you are, um, but not even just the hospital. I mean, when we're talking about, I, my last uh, few years was spent in hospice nursing. Same thing. Nurses make up the majority of all of the healthcare community. Yes. But if one person had your back, then it seemed like nobody had their back. So it really fell apart. Did you feel that same way? Absolutely. Especially when I was in that role, because I was fighting for my team, my CRNAs. And when I took those things forward and couldn't get any traction, then they looked at me like I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing what they needed because I wasn't getting the support on the other end. So truthfully, that is where the burnout started. I was trying to do my best, but no one above me would either support me or listen to me. And so it looked like my failure when there was just no traction to move anything forward. And I think that's probably true in outside of healthcare, right? In any of those management positions, it's a very hard place to be. You, you want to care for people and you want to take, move them forward where they need to be, but it's hard to find that support above you. Well, you're like the middleman, right? You're definitely the middleman. Trying to appease the masses below you and yet appease the masses above you. Yes. And so I, I know because when I went into management, I'm like, this is bullshit. Because we even thought, I mean, as the nursing community, that nurses who had gone up the ranks into administrative work, that they just forgot what it was like to be clinical again. And so all they cared about was management. Because right. you never felt supported. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe, maybe that's where our thought process was wrong. Because there was a lot of, you know, grumbling about that. But maybe it was that they were unable to find the balance that was needed in serving their fellow nurses and yet what was expected of them from the ranks above. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think part of the issue too is those in administration don't communicate well enough as to why we're doing what we're doing. As the person doing the work, we don't understand why we're doing the process that we're doing when there is a good reason but no one communicates that. So we grumble about it, like you said, but the grumbling is sometimes out of ignorance because no one told us anything different. So I think administration needs to come and say, here's why we're doing what we're doing. Let's come together and find a process that works for both of us. Administration and clinicians are in silos. I think what you said as letting or not letting but making sure that nurses are involved in any decision that affects them. And I've yes. said that year after year when I was in nursing. Why they said, oh, well, we decided this. And I'm like, who is we? And they're like, well, so-and-so and so-and-so. And it was all administration. And I said, why? It was just even something as simple as um, either dress code or like hair color, you know, tattoos, piercings, those kinds of things, because those have become an issue, you know, and I said, well, who was in that meeting? And I was told that it was all administration. And I said, here's the problem is you guys are making decisions for us. And you are not the ones in the field. Right. You know, you're not the ones who are serving these people and realizing what it is we're dealing with there. And like, even with something as simple as dress code and hair color and that kind of thing, as nurses, we are rarely 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but we are rarely able to, um, because often we're put in uniforms and we all have to look the same and all they have to do the same thing sort of a thing that we're, it's really hard to find an individuality within the nursing community. Who asked the patients what they wanted? Can you imagine a patient coming in with tattoos and piercings and colored hair? Maybe they would feel more comfortable with the nurse that looks like them. As we hear from people of color, we, you know, we feel more comfortable if we know there's, you know, nurses of our own color or caregivers of our own color or ethnicity or religious background. Diversity. Diversity. Then did anybody think to say to the patients, do you care what all of our nurses look like? Can we be individuals? Shouldn't we be individuals? Just because you wear a suit every day in your office doesn't mean that's what's best for me as an individual, like you said, or for the people that we're taking care of. Right. Every patient that comes into the OR is an individual, or not the OR, the hospital is an individual. Why can't we come to them? Why can't we meet them? instead of them having to try to meet us where we are. Right. That's a really good point. You know, and I realize that there have to be boundaries, but that's okay. That's okay, some boundaries, but we need to be involved in this conversation. It's, it is a matter of individuality and letting us be ourselves. I think that in and of itself would help us to be more resilient. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Feeling like we had a sense of self. Yes, I was just going to say... Our hospital several years ago went through the big no hair color, no piercings. It was stressful, and it was another thing on top of everything else that, and I speak for nurses because that's what I know. Right. It was another thing for them that was stress that did we really have to take it to this level to the point where now you have to go out and buy all new scrubs because we don't agree with what you're wearing? Yeah. It, just things as simple as that. You're right. Did we really need to take it there and put more stress on our caregivers. It doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. No, no. You know, my mantra, whatever you want to call it, is lead with love. And maybe that doesn't work in the corporate world. But could we give it a try? Why not? What do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? What we're doing right now isn't working, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, there's, we need to focus on what's important and what's important exactly. is if in my world, taking good care of patients, taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. And that doesn't cost any money. No, but it does take time. It takes time to change things. It takes time to change thought processes, but we need to start now. Our yes. nursing community, and I can only speak for nurses because that's who I am, that's the people I, you know, in those circles that I'm in. Still, even though I'm out of mainstream nursing, those are my friends. That's the majority of my friends. On a daily basis, my heart hurts because I see and I feel the need that we have for healing within each and every one of them. I mean, as a community, as a world, we all need healing. But yes. if we don't heal the healers... <laughs> Where do we go from there? <laughs> Every time I talk to a nurse that is leaving nursing, I say, good for you. Good for you. And good for you, Allison, to make your decision for what's best for you. Okay. People shouldn't feel shame to leave the job that is not. There is so much. Well for them. 
I am learning that. I am learning that. There is a lot of shame in that, and there shouldn't be. Again, I think that comes out of people not understanding, not being educated on what we do. So we yeah. need to be better we sharing how hard it is to do what we do. And being able to speak that without retribution. Yes. Yes. Right? I think mm-hmm. that's part of the fear. I mean, part of it is the fear in that being able to say the things that need to be said or, or going to a superior and just saying, I need help. Yeah. I need help. Absolutely. If I would have had one person come to me when I decided to leave my director role, if I would have had one person come and say, how can I support you? Because they asked me to stay, but no one said, what do you need to stay? What can I do to help you? Just one person would have made a difference. Because in my, it felt like a failure to me to leave that role. I liked what I was doing, but I couldn't do it anymore. I, and my family told me I couldn't do it anymore just because of how it was affecting me. Yeah. I, I, I get it. But so I wanted to touch on, I mean, so we talk about, and I know that you've heard it um, from other nurses that you've interviewed on your podcast in the nursing community that you deal with where you work as well as where, you know, in, in teaching and stuff, but the guilt and the shame I just want to reiterate that guilt is feeling bad about something, but shame, you know, about, about doing something, shame is feeling about bad about you, about being something, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. guilt is about an exterior thing, but shame is all interior, mm-hmm. either one of which we need to really have. There shouldn't be the guilt or the shame, but I and none of myself have felt that same thing. Not only have I felt it, but uh, um, people who were not even in the healthcare field have been, have shamed me. I mean, has tried to shame me. They've definitely guilted me, but they've tried to shame me for quitting mainstream nursing. Mm-hmm. And yet, I feel the need I have, at least in the past, I am getting past that point, but I've had to feel the need like I had to defend myself. Yes. Yeah, and I, more than just me? Do you find other people having the same thing? Yeah, I grew up Catholic. I grew up to think that guilt and shame were normal, and you should yes. feel that way. You should feel bad every day. You should say you're sorry every day. And so I thought those were normal things, and they're not. We should not feel that way. It took me a long time. It took me a long time to get there. But Yeah, oh, me too. When we can get rid of guilt and shame, can I just tell you the weight? I mean, I'm sure you felt it too, right? Absolutely. The weight that is lifted, and we get rid of those ugly feelings and those about ourselves and about things either we've done or not done. How much more room that we have within ourselves for things like joy and happiness and love and support and just oh, all good things. We can fill those spaces with things that feed us that feed our souls but it hurts doesn't it when you see someone that you just want to don't worry about those things just like you say look and find the good I have a good friend that is I have a couple good friends in healthcare that are staying in their jobs and they are dying inside and they they can't see it yet 
And so do you have a way? Do you, what do you tell people, Allison, on how to move, to open their eyes and see differently? To open their eyes and see differently. I have to, one of the things that I ask people is what lights you up? But often they don't know anymore. Yes. Still in that dark place that is a, it's a sore, it's a cancer within themselves. Um, and they don't know anymore. They're like, I don't, I don't even really understand what that means. And I know and, I get that. What you just said resonated with me. I so get that. That's where we start though. Yeah. If you don't, if you no longer know what lights you up, we need to start removing all the layers. Yes. It's removing the gunk. It's getting rid of the, rid of the, the things that no longer serve you, the things that don't fit, you know, whether it's, I say it's developing good practices. And as nurses, we all know that we are shit at good practices. We, we <laughs> teach people, but we don't do it, right? Are you, do you feel the same? <laughs> Absolutely. Stop smoking right before I go out and have a smoke break. <laughs> Or things like that. I, I'm just thinking of things, right? you know, drinking is bad and then nurses go out for happy hour and, you know, sometimes it's we drink hour. too much because, yes, sad hour. <laughs> because we're just trying to, you know, oh. find, yes. I think yeah. that is the, probably the, the word that I could say nurses, like could define nurses is cope, coping. Yes, yes. Surviving. And coping and isn't a happy feeling. Coping isn't. They talk it's about coping mechanisms. Yeah. So, do you know that coping mechanisms, all coping mechanisms basically are bad. Yes. <laughs> they're ju- and they're just band-aids to get you through to another yeah. day. Yeah. Band-aids. I, I love what you're doing. I, I just know that you are going to help people realize where their joy is. I just, I want to be that mirror that reflects back to them and says, you see how amazing you are yes the beauty that you hold with right within yourself it's all there yes open open yourself up to it it's already there yeah you know i'm living proof of that i'm living proof you are because you're beautiful you are beautiful (laughs) and you shine and i love i love where you are beth i love what you're doing thank you I've lived through feeling like my soul was black and now I don't do, and I don't let anyone else make me feel that way anymore either. So I, and I just want everyone out there to know, you know, my podcast is about nurses because that's what I know. But anyone out there, if you feel it's time for a change, it's past time for a change. Absolutely. And no change will kill you. No. You will figure it out. No change is going to take your life. I think it's a fear, though. Don't you think yes. it's a fear? Even though we feel shitty every day, that's our status quo. Mm-hmm. And actually, more, more people than not think we're supposed to feel shitty every day. I'm here to tell you, you are not. You, you are, are not. not meant to feel crappy every day. But it takes effort, even if it's the smallest step. And then yes. there's fear of, what if I step in the wrong direction? Do you know what? Any direction is going to be fine. And I will tell you that, um, you know, people say if you just allow the door to be opened, more will open. That is 100% correct. 
Agreed. You don't have to have it figured out. Your path will be shown to you. Nobody has it figured out, Beth. <laughs> Nobody has it figured out. You're right. Especially those people that claim to have it figured out. <laughs> Especially them. You're right. Right, because we're not promised anything past right now. Why waste all that energy worrying about what's going to happen down the road? I can promise you if you have it all figured out, you're probably dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yes. we should never quit growing and learning and becoming new every day and it's okay if people don't agree with you it's okay that was the hardest for me it's very hard I would grew up as a people pleaser I always wished I'd been one of those badass women that just told people I don't really give a shit but that's not who I am there are certain things that are not up for debate most things are not up for debate I love who I'm becoming, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's new every day, every it's day. It's exciting. Oh my gosh. I said, what we need to do is we need to bring back the curiosity of a child, the wonder, the wonderment that life is full of every freaking day. Yes, I agree. And there is every, if you open your eyes and look around, there it truly is. It's magic. It's mm-hmm. seriously is magic and we get to create it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I do too. I love it. I love the magic that you're creating every day of your life. Every I day. feel the same for you. Thank you, Beth. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for all that you were doing. I genuinely love you. I feel how much you love the people you work with and the people the nursing community, the healthcare community. And you know what? It's because of people like you that these things are going to change because slowly but surely, one person at a time, it's going to change. I, I agree with you. I know we will get there. We can love ourselves whole. Thank you I so much. It. I appreciate oh, what you're doing. And I, I can't wait to keep watching how you go, how, where you go to. Ditto. Ditto. I will, um, I will put all of the information about Beth, where you can reach Beth, how you can find her on social media, how you can um, drop into her podcast and follow her there um, in the show notes. And again, thank you, Beth. I hope thank you have you so a much. most amazing day. Same to you. Thank you so much, Allison, for doing what you do. Thank you. What a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. So much goodness and so many tidbits to take away from today's conversation. I hope that this episode caused you to pause, to think, to feel, and maybe dig deeper in the search for resilience within yourself. I hope that some of you were able to find things here to add to or to help you hone tools you've already acquired in your individual search for resilience. I can't wait to see you next time.